Good morning, everybody. How are we doing today? It's a great day. It's a great day. And uh, hey, we made it through last week. Yeah! <laughs> that was a little less uh, enthusiasm there, but uh, yes, we made it through last week. And uh, I just want to say that in the midst of all of that, there are people here today that are very happy and relieved, and there are people here that are very concerned. And it would have been exactly the same way had it been the other way. It would have been people that were relieved and people that were concerned. And here's the good thing about all of that. Jesus is still Lord. That doesn't mean we don't care and act like nothing's going on, but that means that we go to the one who is truly our hope. We have to unhitch from political um, messiahs and hitch to the one and true only Messiah. That's where our hope is. That's never changing. It doesn't change every four years. It doesn't go up one year and down the next four years. It's, it's always stable foundation for us to build our hope on. Amen? Well, this is uh, Wednesday. Is going to be uh, the day we celebrate Veterans Day. Can we give it up for all of our veterans in the house? And if you have served in our military or armed forces in any way, would you please just stand in here today? Here's what I want you guys, ladies and gentlemen, to hear. Thank you, thank you, thank you for serving this great nation. We appreciate you very much. God bless you guys. One of the things that they fought for is that we would have a democracy. That was one of the things that they fought for and defended and, and kept in play. And so that's something we are experiencing today. And uh, there's something that I, I just want to say to us as we go into today. I, I have a lot of scripture in my message today. I have very few of my words and a lot of other words written in scripture and uh, I've been praying for this day for a while because I knew this day would come and there would be people on both sides, some that are excited about uh, the change that's, that's about to take place and some that are concerned. And I knew that that would be a, a moment where we as a church have to decide how are we going to live in the midst of all of this. And so I just want to say this, that uh, um, we're going to be okay. Not only are we going to be okay, we're going to be great. And one of the things that I believe is um, that God is calling us some, to something during these seasons. He's calling us to unity and maturity. Unity is the body of Christ, united in Him, and maturity. That we can live above the fray, that we are affected by what's going on, but we're not necessarily controlled by what's going on. Where we, we don't look to the news for our hope, we look to the word for our hope. When I say the word, I'm talking about the Bible, and I'm talking about the living word. John 1 says that, that Jesus is the word, that he himself is the word. So I brought my, my physical Bible today. Here's why. I have concern for us as a church. I do. I have great concern for us as a church. 
And part of my concern lies in this. Sometimes I'll get up here, or every time I get up here, and I say, let's open our Bibles too. And nobody moves. That concerns me. That concerns me, and here's why it concerns me. Because the only living book we have is the Bible. Hebrews 12 says the Word of God is living and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Dividing the soul and the spirit. When we read the Bible, the Bible reads us. When we read the Bible, we understand the character and the nature of God. We understand how He's called us to something. And so this isn't a, a rebuke. I'm just saying, I'm asking you to start doing something. I'm not opposed to electronic Bible. I'm grateful for Terry Storch and Life Church, the guys who created the, the, the uh, Bible app. It's an amazing thing. And it's something that re- I have it on my phone. I use it all the time. I listen to the Bible. I read the Bible from my Bible app oftentimes. You can, you can do reading plans. There's so much good on the Bible app. So I'm not opposed to the Bible app. But I'm also encouraging us that there is something that happens in our spirit when we actually read a physical Bible. I really believe that there's something that happens when we hear these pages ruffle. My Bible's falling apart. (laughs) Um, When we hear these pages ruffle. And you know what I think it is? I think it's like a warrior who grabs a hold of the sword. And when these pages rattle, it's like rattling that sword in the sheath. So, I'm going to ask you to start bringing your Bibles to church. When I was growing up, if you would have brought a Bible like this, you weren't very spiritual. The bigger the more spiritual you were. <laughs> Some people walk in on the Bible that like, used to sit on the communion tables. They walk in. <laughs> Plop it down because we're spiritual. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to start bringing your Bibles. Here's the other thing I'm asking you to do. I want you to bring a notebook. I want you to bring a notebook and start taking notes. Writing down the scriptures that we talk about. Going back throughout the week and reading them and letting them get in your heart. Letting them take root inside of your heart and growing to full maturity in your life. My call to us today is to unity as the body. We're going to get into that. And maturity as the body of Christ. So I'm going to read something to you from a passage of scripture. And I remember this discussion started happening years ago when we started putting scriptures up on the, on the screens. And literally, I remember sitting in rooms and saying, that's awesome that we can put scriptures up. That gives us latitude to use all kinds of different versions of the Bible. It gives us all the, the different translations at our fingertips. We can do that. And I know that each one of us read different translations. Usually, uh, Sherry and I pick a translation that we read for the year or whatever. And so many of you may do the same, but... But the talk was, my concern about the scriptures being on the screen is that people will stop bringing their Bibles to church. And it happened. 
that concern became a reality. We're not going to stop putting the scriptures on the screen. But I want us to be a people who stop coming to church without our Bibles. The scripture tells us that we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. They're captured right here. Eat up. So I'm going to read a passage to us today. It's not technically a part of the sermon. But I'm going to read a passage out of the actual physical Bible. And while I'm, before I read it, I want you to take your phones out if you have the Bible app. And again, there's no condemnation for those who use the Bible app. I use it. I think it's an amazing tool. And I want you to open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. And because we can find other multiple translations, I want you to find the Passion Translation. The letters for it are the TPT. Find the Passion Translation, because that's where I'm going to read from in just a moment in Colossians. But I want us to hear this word out of the scripture today, because I think this is something that God may be calling us to. Especially during the season where our country is very divided. Problem is, it doesn't go outside these walls only, it's inside these walls too. That's what concerns me the most. Not about political division, but about the division that I see in the body as a whole. And it's concerning to me. So, I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 4. And the heading of this passage, or this section of, the, of this chapter is, Walk in Unity. So I just want to read it to you, and I want you to let it go deep in your heart today. I therefore, a prisoner, Paul speaking here, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, beseech you on beha- uh, to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering and bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit Just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. There is a calling that God has given us. And he tells us to walk worthy of it. And then he tells us how we're to walk. How we're to walk in this calling. And who he's speaking to is not the world, he's speaking to the church. He's speaking to us. Not them, them is us. Look at your neighbor and say, them is us. He's speaking to us, the church, the body of Christ. And he's calling us to a place of unity. That's not determined by what goes on on the outside of the church, but by what goes on on the inside of the church. He's calling us to a place of maturity and unity and walking Together, unity doesn't mean that we're doesn't mean sameness. It doesn't mean unison. It means unity. It means we can be our own people individually and have our relationship with God, but we can come together and bond together in a way that brings unity and peace. Amen. It is a testimony to the world when the body walks in unity, when we stop talking about one another and start talking to one another, when we stop being divisive. On social media. You've heard me kind of hammer on social media the last few weeks. 
And can I tell you something? I see people that sit in here, probably some of you sitting in here today, when we look at your social media and we read your posts, sometimes they are so ungodly. That concerns me as your pastor. It concerns me because we put issues ahead of people. God did not call us to put issues ahead of people. He's called us to walk worthy of the calling that's on us as the body of Christ. So I want to talk about that today. We see in Colossians where Paul is writing, and he's writing from a prison cell as he's being truly persecuted for declaring to society that Jesus is the Messiah. It's one of his many visits to prison. And he had never met the people of the church of Colossians, or the church of Laodicea that was in Colossae, the city. He had never met this people. It wasn't a church that he started as the apostle, but the pastor came to give Paul a report of what was going on in the city. He came to tell him, hey, the church is alive and it's well. The people are strong. Their faith is strong. They're standing and leading and leading in society. But then he also brings up his concerns. And he says, but there are, are cultural pressures that, are, that they're facing. These cultural pressures are trying to get them to turn away from God and to turn away from the church and to turn away from each other. And some are starting to do that. Some are starting to do that, and we're seeing this happen today, real time. So this is not thousands of years ago. We're seeing this happen today. There's all kinds of cultural pressures that, that you and I face every single day, your children face, and they, they're getting stronger. They're getting more and more intense as, as the days go by. And there's these cultural pressures that that are trying to get us to turn and yield to and turn away from the things of God and each other. And in a lot of cases, it's working. It's concerning to me. Colossians chapter 2, starting with verse 1, says this, I wish you could know how much I have struggled for you and for the church in Laodicea and for the many other friends I have yet to meet. I am contending for you that your hearts will be wrapped in the comfort of heaven and woven together in love's fabric. This will give you access to all the riches of God as you experience the revelation of God's great mystery in Christ. As we are in this season and facing this, this is something that we're seeing happen all around us. And it's concerning to me. I want you to know this, just as Paul, when I read this scripture this week, when I heard this scripture, it just rang in my heart. When I heard Paul saying to the church, I contend for you. I'm contending for you. Because you know what? That rang in my heart. Because Sherry and I are contending for you. We're contending for you. For your marriages, for your children, for the generations to come, for God to right injustices, for the lost to be saved, for the broken to be healed, 
We are contending for that. We're not just going, God, if it's your will, would you let this happen? We're saying, God, make it so here. And we stand. We stand right here in this room during the week when it's empty and we walk through these rows of chairs and we pray and we ask God to speak and we ask God to move and we ask God to pour His Spirit out on you when you sit here. When you walk in the room and when we lift up our voices and worship. We're contending for it. We're believing for it. We're crying out to God for it. There are other pastors on our staff that are doing the very same thing. We come in this room and we stand against every spirit and every principality and power that would try to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And we take authority over those things and we pull them down. Why? Because we contend for you. I don't want us to be caught up by the pressures of this world. Where we watch the news and we're swayed. Jesus Christ is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the same yesterday, He's the same today, and He will be the same tomorrow. He is faithful. He cannot change. The President of the United States, while many of us think it's the center of the world and God's story, doesn't sway the truth that Jesus is Lord. It doesn't. One of the things that concerns me is this. 80% of our congregation is not attending church right now. You're going, well, pastor, I'm here. Why are you preaching this to me? I'm, I'm preaching this to you because you have friends that used to attend here that don't now. And I'm asking you to go get them and bring them back. Not for me. Not for Victory Church. For their soul. Go get them and bring them back. Well, you know, pastor, it's COVID and people are uncomfortable. Hogwash. Hogwash. People go to the grocery store. Their kids go to school. They go shopping. They go to sporting events. COVID what? And if you're up here in this part of the country, you go without masks. But pastor, you got to understand, we're concerned about COVID. No, you're not. I'm not saying that there, there are people who are legitimately concerned for, for legitimate reasons. They have health risks and they need to take care of themselves. And that's why we broadcast online. And for those who are watching online, grateful that you're here. If you're watching online and you are not at a health risk, I'm asking you to come back to church right now. I'm asking you to come back. Because here's what's concerning to me. Here's what's really, really concerning to me. The further we get away from God, we see, we see anxiety and fear and tension and frustration rising. 
We see the lack of patience in people. If you haven't seen the lack of patience, just drive down I-85. They're not waving a blessing to you. We see disconnection from God and from one another, and that's in isolation is what's happening to people. Here's my concern about isolation with people. Proverbs 18, verse 1 says, When a man is isolated, that he wars against all sound counsel and wisdom. It doesn't mean that he's subject to things that aren't wise. It says he wars against it. He will fight against wisdom. We see offense rampant outside the church, but that's not the one I'm most concerned about. I'm concerned about the offense inside the church that divides us. Well, pastor, how do you know there's offense? Just read Facebook. It's offensive. And we say stuff to one another. I'm telling you guys. It's not that it's not nice. It's ungodly. It's wrong. It's wrong. What are you asking me to do? I'm asking you to stop. Stop it. Not saying you have to have a different view. I'm just saying stop it. Stop speaking unaccountably in divisive ways, in critical ways, in judgmental ways, in offensive ways. I'm asking for people to stop. Let it not be so with people from Hamilton Mill. I'm contending for it. We see compassion absent. We see the love of God growing cold. That is concerning to me. That's not the world, that's the church. Paul was calling us in Ephesians 4 to walk worthy of the call. Worthy of the call as the body of Christ. Walk in unity, compassionately, gently, kindly. Matthew 24, verse 10 through 12, it says, Then many will stop following me and fall away. And they will betray one another and hate one another. And many lying prophets will arise, deceiving multitudes and leading them away from the path of the truth. They were, uh, there will be such an increase of sin and lawlessness that those whose hearts once burned with passion for God and others will grow cold. I contend for you that your hearts will not grow cold. But we see it happening all over the place. We see it happening all over the place. We, when we pray, sometimes we'll pray and then we'll broaden our prayers out. My prayers are quite narrow right now. I'm praying for Victory Hamilton Mill. 
Do I care about victory as a whole? Absolutely. I do pray for victory as a whole. But I contend for you. Why? Because by God's grace and mercy and calling, he has placed me and Sherry here at this campus to contend for your soul. And we'll do it. Gladly. Gladly. God is speaking at this campus. God is speaking to people that attend this campus. I get calls almost every week. Pastor, I don't know what this means, but I I just sense, I feel, I'm sensing God say. We get text messages. We talk to people who are praying and contending with us for you. And God speaks, and He speaks in multiple ways. And one of the ways He speaks is through dreams. And there have been people who have had dreams about this campus. And here's the the coolest thing. It's not that God's going to move. God is moving. He's showing these things because He's dealing with these things. So that when people walk onto this property, when people drive onto this property and they sit in this room, they encounter the presence and the power of a living God. I didn't share this in the last service, but I'll share it to you. So maybe you're more special than those people were. I don't know. (laughs) But one night we were doing uh, corporate prayer. We do corporate prayer every Wednesday night. We broadcast our corporate prayer. You know why we went to a broadcast? Because we have uh, almost 3,000 people that join us in corporate prayer every week. Two to 3,000 people join us every week. We We were lucky if we could get 30 to 40 together. It's just more convenient for people who have to drive. But we were broadcasting from this campus. And it was one of those times where God just kept speaking to me. In ways that I don't hear God often, but I hear Him occasionally. And I just kept getting these downloads of stuff that He was doing on this campus. And one of the things that I saw, it was just as clear as I can see you. I saw a water that was flowing off of this platform and filling this room. And it wasn't stagnant water. It wasn't water that sat still. It was water that was moving. You could see the rippling of the water and it went out throughout this building and it went outside of this building. It filled this building and it went outside this building and it went all the way across I-85. Water represents the Holy Spirit. And what it was I felt the Lord was showing me was there's going to be a mighty move of the Holy Spirit that will be inside of this building, that will not just be in this room, but will be in the, in the lobbies, will be in the children's rooms, will not just fill this church building, but will go outside of this church building. And literally, I pray this prayer. When people drive by on uh, this property on I-85, God, can they encounter you? You know why I contend for that? My brother, the founder of Victory Church, got saved on I-85. In his van, the presence of God came and met him in such a powerful way. He literally pulled his van over to the side, knelt down in the back, and surrendered his heart to Jesus on this interstate. You know what I believe? 
there'll be people that drive by our property and they encounter the presence of God. So strongly, they'll pull their cars over and meet with Him. That's what I'm believing for. So how do we walk unified as a church when everything around us is trying to divide us? The first thing is we have to walk in union with God's person, with His person, with the person of Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 2. Open your phones or your Bibles apps and let's read it. Starting with verse 6. It says, In the same way you receive Jesus, our Lord and Messiah, by faith. Continue your journey of faith. Progressing further into your union with Him. Progressing further into your union with Him. Your spiritual roots go deeply into His life. As you are continually infused with strength, encouraged in every way, for you are established in the faith, you have been absorbed and enriched by your devotion to Him. The Word is telling us here, That we need to be rooted in Him. We need to allow our spiritual roots to grow deep down inside of Him. Grow deep down inside of Him. Here's what it means to be rooted. It means to be firmly established in our relationship with Jesus. When He is calling us to allow the roots of our heart and the roots of our life to go deep down in Him. He is wanting to firmly establish our relationship with Him. So that the pressures of this world will not sway us one way or the other. They will actually drive us deeper in our devotion to Jesus. He wants us to be rooted and grounded. There's these trees up in the northwest part of our country. Up in the uh, Yosemite and all of those places up there. And they're redwood trees. They're redwood forests up there. Redwood trees are some of the largest trees in the world. In fact, the General Sherman, which is the one redwood tree, it's the largest tree in the world. And uh, one of the things that you will find if you go there and, and just walk and just to take a look at these trees, these trees are 200 feet tall. It will take many, many people blocking their arms to go around these trees. They're so large. But one of the things that you will find now if you go to to see these trees is you'll see little fences around these trees that don't allow you to get up to the tree itself as though we are going to hurt the tree. But it won't let you get up there to it and here's why. Because there was a time where they started seeing these big redwood trees just fall over. Not in the midst of windstorms, not in the midst of uh, any kind of storms, they would just fall. Can you imagine a redwood tree just falling over? I mean, that would be a sight to behold. 200-foot tree just falls over. And what they discovered was that the root system of the redwood trees is only about five or six feet deep. They're only about five or six feet deep, but the tree stands 200 feet tall. And we know that the root system is what holds a tree in place when the winds and the the storms blow against it. We know it's the root system uh, where the tree gets its nourishment. But these huge trees, the roots are only five or six feet deep. And what they found were when people were walking up so close to them and so many people, it was damaging the root system. And these trees were literally just falling over for no reason except that their roots were damaged. You know what we're seeing today in the body of Christ? We're seeing great big trees, men of God, women of God, 
fall over. Just fall. Falling over. Why? Because their root system is damaged. And they're just falling. We're seeing it. Leader after leader. Person after person. Falling. We have an epidemic in the pastoral world. There are men who take their lives regularly, who are pastors, because their roots are not, their roots are damaged. Their hearts are damaged. They're falling. We see friends just fall, fall away from God. But here's the thing about the redwood trees. While their roots are only five or six feet deep, they reach out about 100 feet. And they reach out in a forest where other trees' root systems are reaching out 100 feet as well. And it creates this wovenness of, of root system up under the ground, five or six feet deep. In fact, some of those roots run together and they grow together and become one. And so it's these trees as they come and this root system is woven together that these trees can stand it's why we need to be the body of Christ and be in church together. It's the weaving together of our root systems so that we can help each other stand in the midst of storm. So that we support one another, strengthen one another, hold one another up in the midst of storm. And this is something I believe God is calling us to. I'm going to read this first that, that I read last, last week, but I'm going to read it again because I thought it was very, very powerful. When we've hitched our, our hope in a political candidate and taken our hope out of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and when we've placed our hope in a political system instead of in the system, the institution, the body of Christ that comes together and weaves us together to hold us up in strength. Our roots don't get to go very deep and we place our hope in the wrong place. Jeremiah 17, 5 through 7 says, This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in a man, who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a brush in the wasteland. They will, they will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in the salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the man. Blessed is the one whose trust is in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. They will be like... A tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when, it, when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought. And it never fails to bring forth fruit. What is that fruit? What is that fruit that we're talking about? He says, blessed is the man. Who puts his trust in the Lord. But cursed is the one who puts his trust in a man. Ephesians 3. 16 through 19 says. May he grant you out of the riches of his glory. To be strengthened, by spirit, uh, strengthened and spiritually energized with power through the Holy Spirit in your inner self. Indwelling your innermost being and personality. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through your faith. And may you, having been deeply rooted and securely grounded in love, be fully capable of comprehending all that the saints, God's people, 
with the, can comprehend the width and the length and the height and the depth of his love, fully experiencing that amazing endless love and that you may come to know practically through personal experience the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled up throughout your being to all the fullness of God so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives completely filled and flooded by God Himself. When we contend, when Paul is saying to the church, I'm contending for you, I wish you knew. This is what we're all contending for. That this would be the truth of our life. That we would be deeply rooted and grounded. That we would be in perfect union with His person. The second thing is we have to be in union with His priorities. His priorities. He has priorities for us. They're not determined by this world. And He tells us that We're not to live according to the flesh. Now, our flesh doesn't die when we get saved. Look to your neighbor and say, he said that right. Our flesh doesn't die. But our spirit is now alive. And the flesh literally wars against the spirit. And the spirit wars against the flesh. And so... Whatever we feed gets healthier and stronger, and there is fruit from that. Remember what we read in Jeremiah? We never fail. Those who trust in the Lord never fail to bear fruit. What fruit are we talking about? The fruit of the Spirit. But those who trust in man bear the fruit of the flesh. Let's read this in a... In, uh, Galatians chapter 5. But I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. You ever wonder why do I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I do want to do? There's a war going on inside of you. It's the Spirit and the flesh. Goes on to say in verse 18, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Here's the fruit that the flesh bears. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife. Offense, right? Strife. Jealousy. Fits of anger. Rivalries. Dissensions. Divisions. Man, are we seeing these things happen in our society today? Are we seeing these things happen in the church? This concerns me. This is why I feel, this is why I have concern. There's envy and drunkenness and orgies and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
Against such things, there is no law. In other words, there is no limit to it. You can express this as much as you want to. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let the Spirit be the thing that leads us. Not the cultural pressures of the day. Not the news. Not the society's viewpoints. Let's walk in step with the Spirit of God. And when we do, we will bear the fruit of the Spirit. So when I look out and I see these things like what I'm saying to you, when you look on social media and you see some of the things that we as the body are saying out there and to one another, they're the works of the flesh and not the Spirit. Because they don't reflect the fruit of the Spirit. They reflect divisions and strife. I'm calling us. I, I, I feel like Paul this morning. Where I'm going, I beseech you. I implore you. I call you. I'm saying let's go higher. I'm saying let's live from a different place. I'm saying let's walk in unity and walk in maturity as the body. Allowing our roots to go deep down in Jesus. Allowing that, that root system to be integrated with the body of Christ so that we can stand firm and strong. So that we bear the fruit of the Spirit of God. Not the fruit of this age and the fruit of the flesh. I'm calling us to that. I'm calling us to unity. And in a lot of ways, here's what I'm asking of us. And I say this with all humility to you. Grow up. We have to grow up. We can't walk in step with the Spirit and remain immature in our life. We cannot. So as your pastor of this campus, Victory Hamilton Mill, let's grow up. We will live above the fray and we will not be swayed by the pressures of this world. Colossians 3, verse 12 and 15. You got a lot of scriptures, Pastor Randy. You need to hear, you need to hear more scriptures than you need to hear from me. My voice won't change you, but the word of God will. Colossians 3, starting with verse 12. You are always and dearly loved by God. So robe yourself with the virtues of God. Since you have been divinely chosen to be holy, be merciful as you endeavor to understand others. And be compassionate, showing kindness towards all. Be gentle and humble, unoffendable in, the, in your patience with others. 
Tolerate the weakness of those in the family of faith. Forgive one another in the same way you have been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you find fault with someone, release the same gift of forgiveness to them. For love is supreme and must flow through each of these virtues. Love becomes the mark of true maturity. 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 Let your heart be always guided by the peace of the anointed one who called you to peace as part of his one body and always be thankful. When we have our focus, we are grounded and rooted in him. When we are focused and we are in union with his priorities, we have so much to be thankful for. Why? Because the blessings of God are rich and they bring no sorrow with them. We have a lot to be thankful for. But we have to align our hearts and our lives to his priorities. We have to walk in union with his person, walk in union with his priorities. And here are his priorities just laid out in this passage right here. In Galatians 5, it tells us to walk in the spirit. Colossians 3, he says, be merciful as you endure to understand others. Compassionate, showing kindness to all. Saved, unsaved, people we agree with, people we disagree with, people we like, people we don't like. Be kind to all, gentle and humble. Unoffendable in your patience with others. Are you unoffendable? Or do you wave blessings to people as you drive down I-85? Tolerate the weakness of those in the family of faith. That doesn't mean we tolerate sin. That means we understand that we all have weakness. Look to your neighbor and go, you have weakness. Neighbor, look back to that person and say, you have weakness too. Doesn't mean we tolerate sin in one another's lives. It means this, that we all understand we are weak. And it's in our weakness that God is made strong. It's in our weakness that he can be made strong. Forgive one another, love one another. 59 times the Bible tells us to do something for one another. Let your heart be guided by the peace of the anointed one. We have to align our lives and walk in union with his person and walk in union with his priorities. And then lastly, and I won't take long here, but it's walk in union with his people. You'll hear me quote this scripture or refer to this scripture often and you're going, I'm tired of hearing you refer to this scripture. Well, you better get used to it because everything rests on this one. Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Jesus said, when, he, when asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, to love your Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. In other words, it's the same as, it's just as important as. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang all the laws and the prophet. On these two commandments, everything rests. Love God. Vertical. Worship, expression of love to God. Love God, live for God, honor God, worship God with all of your being. 
and horizontal. Love your neighbor as yourself. Care for one another. Bear with one another. Strengthen one another. Pray for one another. Love one another. Be kind to all. Be unoffendable. In this season, I believe God is calling us higher. I believe He's calling us as a church to unity and maturity. And I love the way Paul said it. We need to walk worthy of that calling. Unity with God and with people. And it comes from being deeply rooted in Him. Maturity that is expressed in how we love God and one another. So let me ask you this question today. How is your union? How is your union with His person? Jesus, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. How is your union with Him? How are you doing with aligning your life, your attitudes, your heart, your actions with His priorities? How are you doing with that? Some of you may say, I've never asked Jesus to be my Lord. And so my union with him is completely broken. Corinthians tells us that today is the day of salvation. It's the day that it can change. Some of you may say, I'm seeing my love grow cold. I'm tired. I'm weary. Let our roots go down in Him. Let's let our roots go down in Him. Because the tree that's planted by the water never fails to bear fruit. What fruit? The fruit of the Holy Spirit, Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, patience, self-control. How are you doing in expressing your love to God and to others? How are you doing with it? Here's the thing. In just a moment, we're going to have people up here. They're going to pray with us. They're going to be compassionate and kind to you when you come. They're going to bear with you with the mercies of heaven. They will be gentle and humble with you. They will tolerate your weakness and forgive you. They will love you. They will pray for you. They will allow the, their faith and your faith to be woven together in love. If you don't know Jesus, I'm going to ask you at the end of the service, in just a moment, Pastor Jeremy and the team are going to lead us in worship again. When the prayer team comes up and Pastor Jeremy calls you forward, step forward and allow somebody to pray with you to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior.
turn to him. Surrender to him. Give your soul, give your heart to him. If you're struggling with your love growing cold, just come. Jesus said it's going to happen. But he didn't say we have to stay there. He made a way for us to turn. So we repent. And we ask Jesus to come. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill us fresh and new. That his purposes and his fruit will be evident to all. Would you stand with me? I'm going to ask you to lift your hands. And I know some of you lift them like this and then take them right back down. I'm going to ask you to lift them and hold them up. Hold them high. Jesus, we invite you today. We thank you today, God, that your faithfulness endures for forever. We thank you, God, that you have given the word to us. That it is a lamp unto our path and a light unto our feet. That you've given us the word to reflect the character and the nature of our God. You've given us the word to fight against the enemy and to bring healing to the broken. Lord, you've given us the word to show us the way. You've given us the word that we can allow our roots to grow deep down inside of you, God. That we can walk in union with you, Jesus. That we can walk in union with the Holy Spirit. We thank you today, God, for your goodness. We just speak it out today, church. We thank you for your goodness, God. We thank you, God, that our lives are founded on your goodness. We thank you, God, that when we come to you, we find grace and mercy. We thank you, God, that your goodness never changes no matter what goes on around us. God, we thank you that you are good and that you are worthy to be praised, God. So today, Lord, we lift our voice. We honor you today. And we say that you are a good, good God. And we say that all of our lives.